episode of the Source of Zeal podcast. On this episode, we sit down with Ashley Artrip, co-founder of Mission Collaborative. We sit down, we talk to her about her time during college, how she got from there into co-founding Mission Collaborative, and then also a bit about their purpose and kind of just helping people finding their goals and their own purposes in their careers. In addition to that, we do talk a bit about how education is reshaping in these current times as well as into the future. So I hope y'all enjoy. Welcome everyone. I have Ashley Artrip here with me today. So Ashley, thank you for coming on to the Source of Zero podcast. Uh, so give the people a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do, what you do now, and uh, what are the businesses that you're in? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a, a huge fan of what you all do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm Ashley. I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Mission Collaborative. Uh, fundamentally, what we do is we help people design careers that they love. And uh, I have just been really passionate about helping people make important life and career decisions ever since I can remember. Um, And I guess kind of starting back, you know, in in my growing up years, uh, it it started then. So I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and more of a, I would call it a blue collar upbringing. So my dad was a firefighter, and my mom didn't go to college, but she worked in really steady insurance roles her entire career and, you know, allowed me to have a really great upbringing. Um, And I I really learned from a young age that your job is something that happens to you, and it's not something that you really look forward to. And when I was actually a kid, I did not want to grow up to be an adult because I didn't want to go to the world of work and (laughs) dread life every day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I got to college, uh, so I went to school in Nashville, I went to Vanderbilt. And when I got to college, I noticed that my peers were making really important decisions with little to no information about their careers and their majors and and how all of this is going to set them up for a successful career after college and and a a life more broadly. And I had this moment in college where things just really clicked for me about why so many adults were unhappy in their careers, you know, whether you went to college or not. And it's because we're, we're wildly unintentional about career discovery before college, during college, and, and even after college. And, you know, if, if you really think about it, people are making the largest purchasing decisions or one of the largest purchasing decisions of their entire life with little to no information about how this will, you know, set them up for, for life after graduation. And it really bothered me. And I wanted to change that. So I started working on a startup that helped students be more reflective about their career choices or education choices in higher education from much earlier on. And I did this through an app that would pair current students with alumni mentors based on sort of professional interests and backgrounds. Um, But in addition to that, the second component was how they're naturally wired to think, feel, and behave. And so to kind of dive into that a little bit deeper and and to provide an example, as a college student, you would get paired up with someone who approached the world in a very similar way to you Mm -hmm. to actually give you some insight into how they liked the day-to-day responsibilities of their career path. Um, 
and, and this really kind of came from the principle that I have, which is I am a firm believer that not all advice that you receive is good advice. So for example, if I'm somebody who is incredibly outgoing, I'm an extrovert and I need to be around people and I'm thinking about going into accounting and I speak with an accountant about advice about how, you know, he or she likes her job, but that person is really data driven. They're very analytical. They're more of an introvert and I'm more of a people person Then their advice to me about going into accounting. And, you know, they're saying all these great things about it. That advice is actually no good for me because we, we see the world in very different ways and we're naturally wired very differently. And so that was a really important component of that. And, and to sort of help with that matching process, part of the algorithm within the app uh, was, was using the results of a StrengthsFinder assessment, um, which is an assessment that Gallup owns. Um, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's very similar to sort of a personality assessment, but it's way more based on performance and potential and behavior. And so as I was building this app, I was doing a lot of research into Gallup's work on the gap between higher education and the workforce. And I felt like it validated so much about what I was thinking about. And so one day I, I actually just happened to come across the blog post of a, a current employee at Gallup. Um, his, his name is Paul Allen. And so everybody thinks Microsoft Paul Allen. So this is not Microsoft Paul Allen, but this was <laughs> the, this was the former founder and CEO of ancestry.com. And uh, Gallup brought him onto the team to help sort of evangelize the, the StrengthsFinder assessment and to have 1 billion people take this assessment. And in his blog post, that's exactly what he was writing about, his, his sort of vision for having everybody take this assessment. Um, and me being this naive 19-year-old college student, <laughs> um, I, I had this idea that, hey, I should probably reach out to Gallup and pitch them and see if they would want to partner with me because I really want to get this idea off the ground. You know, they have access to a lot of different organizations and they have, you know, so much survey research power. Uh, you know, why not? And so I decided to, to send him a cold email and pitch him on my business to, to see if they would do that. And so the email kind of went, you know, hey, you know, I'm a sophomore at Vanderbilt and you have no reason to respond to me. <laughs> but I, I, I actually said that um, just sort of acknowledging sort of the, the humor in the situation. And then I said, but I have an idea for an app that could really help you reach your goal of having one billion people take the StrengthsFinder assessment. And so next thing I know, I, uh, I'm driving from Nashville to DC to pitch my idea to Paul. And I basically just had copies of wireframes that I had printed out from my dorm and a vision to pitch to him. The mm. software platform itself was not a functional <laughs> software platform. It was, it was really, again, it was just the wireframes of it. Um, but sort of, you know, long story short there, instead of partnering with me as a business, um, Gallup actually offered to hire me full time before I graduated to develop some of those ideas um, that I was working on um, and to develop them internally at Gallup. So some some might call it like an intrapreneur instead of an entrepreneur when you work within an organization to develop new ideas. Um, so that's sort of, you know, how I thought of it. And so I uh, I left college after convincing my parents that it was the best decision for me. 
it took a little bit of convincing and a couple of PowerPoints later, but uh, I did it. And I, I worked at Gallup for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I'm happy to tell you that a lot of those ideas that I worked on are, you know, incorporated into Gallup's higher education consulting model that they use with their institutional partners. Um, it was a really risky decision uh, to some, but in my mind, it, it wasn't risky at all. I, I had this sort of internal compass that just said, you have to do this, you know, this is, this is your chance and, and you need to take a shot at this. And so I, after I worked at Gallup, I actually worked for a company called SC Academy, which is a career accelerator for first generation and minority college students to land high paying tech sales jobs. And I was there from seed funding to series A funding. So I was there for a, a good bit of the company's early stage growth. And um, now I'm, I'm co-founding Mission Collaborative, as you know, uh, where, you know, again, we, we help people of all ages and backgrounds design careers that they love through our 30-day online fellowship. That is a very interesting start to it all. <laughs> That's a very interesting origin story. I mean, just, I mean, the, the simple fact, uh, you know, you, you were able to create your idea in college, because I know especially you know, sophomore year, you're getting into the weeds of it. You're trying to figure out kind of what you want to study, kind of what you want to do. But then at the same time, you decided, you know, focusing on on this on this app and creating it. And then from there, being able to just contact Paul Allen and like how you say, like you send an email, you're probably not going to read this or you're probably just going to put it aside because I'm just a <laughs> sophomore in college with this right. with this idea. But I mean, if you read it, great. If not, it is what it is. The fact that he read it and you were able to share that to the point of you going into Gallup and working alongside Gallup to create this and instill it. And like you said, to this day, Gallup is probably most likely utilizing what you created in their system. Um mm -hmm. It must have been, I mean, just the simple fact of at the age of 19, dropping out, you know, like how you said, that's probably a decision that most people would say, you know, why would you do that? Um, why are you taking such a high risk at such an early age? To some, they may see it as like extremely high risk. What made you look at it as more of an opportunity instead of the, like a higher a high risk? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And I think I don't think I knew it at the time. But I, I think as a, you know, what I had was sort of this internal compass that led me to make that decision. And essentially, when I ask myself, you know, questions like big picture questions about who am I? What do I want? Where am I going in life? You know, I, I basically just kind of ask, you know, what's the what's the worst that could happen? Um, you know, what's the absolute worst case scenario? And you, I, I kind of played that scenario out in my mind, which would be to, you know, work at Gallup, it may fail, uh, I may get fired. But the absolute worst thing that could have happened when I, you know, initially made that decision is, is I would just return back to school. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, really appreciate Vanderbilt has a really great leave of absence policy. So you don't have to officially drop out just yet. Um, but you know, it's still really scary because you do have to reapply and mm -hmm. get back into the system and, and your peers are, you know, off in different semesters or, you know, they're in a whole different year than you, but really getting quiet with yourself and asking, you know, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen? Play that scenario out. 
And if you're okay with the worst thing that could absolutely happen in that situation, then you should give yourself full permission to do what you're thinking about. Because at the end of the day, the benefits will far outweigh that that worst case scenario. It is great that you were able to have that thought, have that process at that early age. You know, because I know at least myself during those college years, it was more of like, all right, I need to figure out how I'm going to get from, you know, freshman year to sophomore year to junior year to senior mm-hmm. year to the fact to think such at a higher level. I mean, of course, that is that is something great to have. Um, and you did highlight something earlier in the sense of how we are we grown up to think that work is just something that we go to just you know you go to work you get your paycheck you take care of your responsibilities that's what you're supposed to do um i know this is something i myself have been thinking like our generation like this these individuals are probably like around i i, I always forget what our generation is named but millennials <laughs> or chins and yeah. i'm always like i go by the age range so like probably from the early thirties to right now to like the early forties at this age, we grew up in that middle of tech, of like technology growing to the point of where technology rules everything. So a Mm -hmm. lot of our fundamental thoughts come from our parents in which they were always like, you know, go to school, get your education and go to work. You know, a lot of us mm-hmm. also are maybe first generation to be able to make it to college, able to go to that university. So they put extra pressure on you to say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get your degree, like no matter what. And then from there, get yourself a job and, you know, get paid because you got to take care of your responsibilities. And I think that is something that now this generation, these younger individuals are starting to realize, OK, no, you know, there's more choices out there for me. Um, you know, yeah. I have to better understand what do I want to do instead of just going ahead and yeah, I'm gonna do this. And then five years later, you're like, well, I kind of don't want to do that anymore. And yeah. then you just wait, you know, you, it's, I don't want to call it that you're wasting five years out your life, but yeah. you know, you kind of felt like those five years, I could have been focusing on something else. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think this goes kind of like what mission collaborative does. Um, so can you go more in detail of like, what this uh, organization does, you know, kind of what are your, what is missions, <laughs> missions, mission statement, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. what, what is the, what is your goal out of it when you get, let's say an individual comes to you all and say, Hey, mm-hmm. I need to figure out what I need to do with my life. You know, I just graduated X school and, you know, I, I want to figure out what I want to do. I just don't know yet. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there are a couple of things there, and I guess I'll just start off by kind of providing the mission statement more broadly. And, and really what, what we, why we exist is to help people design careers that are fulfilling and that they love. And fulfillment looks really different for every single individual who comes through one of our programs. Um, and, and, you know, thinking about working with somebody who is at the beginning of their career or perhaps even mid or, or late career. And they're kind of looking to the future and they're like, I have no idea what I, what I want to do next. Um, the way we kind of approach the career design process, it's, it's if you're familiar with the principles of design thinking or 
uh, like the, the scientific method, which is all about designing experiments to yeah. test, to get feedback, to iterate, and then to move forward, making a decision. That is, that is the core of our curriculum. And so we're actually big believers that there's not, there's no single career path out there that is perfect for you that you just haven't discovered yet. We actually believe that there are many paths to your fulfillment and it's up to you to be intentional and to be thoughtful about designing experiments to get that feedback, to understand yourself better, to do that self-reflection before you then and go submit an application for a job. And so I guess sort of the, the overall perspective that we have is you wouldn't buy a car without first taking it for a test drive. And you shouldn't do that with your career either. Yeah. And that's what most people do. Most people will approach the, the career process by just submitting job applications that they either think that they're qualified for or maybe not. Um, but they submit the applications, you know, and, and send their resume to the void and never hear back and sort of wonder, you know, like, well, you know, why is that the case? Um, mm -hmm. Our perspective is that, again, you want to test something out first because then you can, number one, figure out if that's a good career path for you. Uh, number two, you can get feedback to figure out, you know, how good am I actually doing this, this job? Uh, where can I, you know, spend a little bit more time training or education? Um, and then number three, if you go to an employer and you're very clear on your, you know, goals and your intentions for the role, you sound so much more compelling in an interview when you actually know that this is something that you want to do. You know, I mean, it, I feel like it's no secret that employers know when, when a candidate is sort of BSing their way through an interview. Authenticity comes out. And, and so if you can be more compelling in that interview by being really truthful and honest with yourself about where you want to go and, and then experimenting, it's going to just go so much smoother for you. Uh, starting with the application process, but, you know, and ultimately in the job as well. Yeah, very true. I mean, that is, that is something that true, even to this day, I think people don't, I, I, I'll speak from my own experiences. You don't, you don't realize that until you've gone through the process. That's right. You, know, you don't, yeah. you don't realize it until like, man, you know, I applied for X amount of jobs, you know, on paper, I look like I match you know, mm -hmm. paper, you don't have the education, I may have the experience, I'm X, Y, Z, but is it truly a match for me? And I think that is something that, you know, a lot of us don't think about when we're in that process of applying or looking for jobs, mm -hmm. because, you know, it is, you know, it is what it is. A lot of times we have responsibilities, of course, you know, sometimes you just need a job, you know, to take care mm -hmm. of yourself or other people, what have you, but you know, the importance of having or the importance of finding or going for a career or a particular job or something related to, to something that connects to you is extremely, it's extremely important because it mm -hmm. takes a toll in you. No, I was going to say, well, to that point, you know, the way we sort of think about long-term career satisfaction at Mission Collaborative is that, you know, the you shouldn't be applying for a job when you are so incredibly dissatisfied in your role and you're just trying anything that you can do to escape your current situation. We sort of think about career development as 
it, number one, it's, it's, it's obviously a lifelong journey. Um, but number two, we actually sort of kind of approach it as, as sort of fitness. So, you know, when you think about going to a gym and exercising your muscles, um, you, you have to keep up with it. You have to re-engage different muscles, uh, depending on your goals. And so the way we sort of position ourselves in this process is we're sort of like the personal trainers. So when someone comes to Mission Collaborative, uh, we don't hand them the answers. We don't do the work for them, just like a personal trainer won't do the exercises for you. Yeah. But, but the personal trainer leads them through the process and they, they help create structure and accountability throughout the experience. So they can, you know, that, that person can achieve their fitness goals. And that's the same thing, you know, with career, uh, whether you have hired a personal trainer or not, you should be always doing this self-reflection and asking yourself, am I moving in the direction of my goals? What are my goals? Um, and, you know, they, they change every, mm-hmm. you know, three years or so. Uh, you, you move into different phases of life. Fulfillment in, uh, when you're 25 can look very different from when you're 30, right? You could be, mm-hmm. you know, preparing to have a kid and you, you know, fulfillment in your job may look like you just want a nine to five and you want to do something that has a low emotional toll on you. So you can bring your whole self to your family after work. But when you're, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're like, no, I, I you know, I want to be working with people. I, I want to put all of my emotion in it. I don't have necessarily a family that I'm going home to. So I can, you know, invest in this, uh, this job the way I want to, uh, you know, when I'm in my 20s. Very true. I mean, and it's, and it's something that, you know, like I, like I said, you know, you don't realize it until you go through it. But do you, have you seen, or well, as you've been creating this, have you seen it where, Maybe individuals who come thinking, okay, well, when I work with you all, I'll probably, you know, you'll probably tell me do X, you know, one, two, three, and I'll get, you know, X job. Um, When they come to you and they realize, okay, it's a different format where it is, I have to do more internal, internal search. And then as well as, you know, some some wide range of thinking, like more critical thinking in the sense of your career, you know, how, how have you seen that reaction to that? Yeah. Well, so first and foremost, um, I, I think people understand it. I think they might initially, you know, want to have sort of like a, a one-on-one coaching experience, which, mm-hmm. you know, we would love to offer that, but at the price that we offer the fellowship, um, it, it really is a, a good deal. Um, and, and coaching can be upwards of thousands of dollars. Um, so in terms of kind of the value for, you know, the, the money, it's, I would say it's, it's pretty spot on. But the other thing too, that I haven't actually talked about is the collaborative component of, of our fellowship. And okay. what we do is instead of having this sort of one-to-one coaching model, this is actually a peer-led experience. So you're in a cohort, generally speaking, you're in a cohort of fellow alumni. So if you went to UVA, for example, you would be in a cohort of all you know, UVA alumni. And we match you up with, number one, an accountability partner. And your accountability partner is going to be somebody who's very similar to you in terms of your, your industry and your background. And who can offer that sort of peer perspective as you're moving through our curriculum and as you're testing different ideas and you're exploring what's out there. 
And then the other component of it, the other collaborative component of it is we actually have, you know, teams. So there's a small group that you work with throughout the fellowship experience who are very different from you. So we have intentionally created these groups to be as diverse as possible because if you're in a group of all lawyers and you're a lawyer yourself, it's really hard to offer novel new ideas to each other when you all have been in the same industry for decades, right? So our, our perspective is having that balance of you have your peer and you have somebody who is going through this experience with you and who can provide perspective to you, you know, in the context of your industry, but then balance that out with having a group of people who think very differently from you to offer really unique perspective. That combination is incredibly effective when processing these big questions. And not to mention underneath all of that, whether you know, you're working with somebody who is similar to you or different from you in terms of your background or your industry, simply going through the experience with other people who are in similar situations to you in terms of their career development and sort of what comes next is so valuable. Yes. Um, a lot of times people approach their career journey as a, a solo individual experience, and we don't have to do that to ourselves. Um, so, so even if you don't go through something like Mission Collaborative or hire a career coach, I, I would encourage you to find somebody in your life who cares about you, who cares about your success and ask them, you know, to hold you accountable to your goals because it makes things so much easier and better. Uh, again, going back to this personal trainer analogy, we, yep. you have to create structure and accountability. Otherwise it may not happen. Very true. Very true. I mean, that, that is something, that is something that everyone needs. I think that's why, you know, even outside of career or anything, that's why we have close friends, you know, that are yeah. always on top of us. You know, they'll they'll let mm -hmm. us know, hey, they'll hold you accountable, kind of your actions and everything. Like you said, the personal trainer, um, you know, individuals that play sports, they understand that, you know, you have your team captains, you have someone that's close to you. So, you know, just like you said, is something that you should be utilizing for your own career and for your own like choices. Uh, so education has to play, you know, does play a big part in this. Um, of course, you know, when individuals get to the point of college or even if they decide, you know, college is not my route, I want to go straight into the working field, they still are or they still will be obtaining some type of education, whether it is books, you know, like I said, during college, or if you're going straight to work, you're just getting that experience. But that experience mm -hmm. is a type of education. Um, how have you seen the changes, especially especially now, because everything that's happening, um, just the way that people are, well, from your experience and when working along with the younger generation is, how have you seen their thought process on education changed from, you know, when you started out, when you went into college or, you know, the older generation with that whole mindset of, you know, four years, master's, or if you want to go above and beyond doctorate, you know, how now, you know, their thoughts and how they go about education has changed. Yeah. I mean, and I think you're making a really good point about how I, I think, COVID-19 has sort of accelerated this thought process of, of young people. And I really think, I think young people 
now more than ever are really questioning the value of a four-year degree. And I think when, you know, especially for the current students who had to move everything to, to go online, to make adjustments to their typical college experience, they really started to think about, you know, why am I paying $60,000 a year for these Zoom classes? Why, you know, even when I'm back on campus, do I really need, you know, the, the thing that people always kind of point to higher ed and, and criticize is like the climbing walls, right? Or the, the lazy river that LSU has. Do I really need all of that? Um, and it's interesting. I, I think, I really think COVID-19 has, has accelerated that sort of skepticism that young people are starting to embrace. And I think a lot more people are looking for outside sources for education rather than that traditional four-year degree. Um, I, I think young people understand better than, than I would say most working adults right now that if you try to condense four years of knowledge that may or may not be applicable to your career, it's, it's just not going to get digested. And so I think, I think they are starting to really push schools to embrace lifelong learning and offering more flexibility with how you experience college, how you experience higher education. Um, so yeah, I, I would say they're, they're starting to question it, but I, I also think there are other organizations that are facilitating the conversation such as boot camps uh, career accelerators uh, like SV Academy, for example, my former employer um, is part. They're partnering with higher education because they're starting to fill in the gaps that higher education just can't fill at the moment. So I, I think again, you know, with the pandemic, it's really accelerating this conversation, which is to me, it's very exciting. Very true. Um, yeah, because it's it's something that I mean, we're we're stuck at home. So like you said, you think that you have more time for school and everything, but even before, even before this, I think more and more people were starting to realize that, okay, what is the true purpose of this higher education? You know, more and more information comes out more and more, you know, people are starting to realize, okay, you know, this is a lot of money that I'm putting into this, my education. This is, mm -hmm. this is going to affect my entire life. This is going to, you know, whatever direction I may go into. And then especially there are, you know, people, certain people cannot even get those type of things. And they have to look at it as, okay, well, if I can't get that type of higher education, where else can I get this education? Where else can I get knowledge? Where yeah. else can I be able to, one, improve myself to continuously improve throughout my life and ensure that. I have a career or if I go into a particular career that I am interested in, how am I able to ensure that I'm keeping up with it? Um, because this is something that I think everyone goes through. Everyone has to realize, okay, kind of like what you say, try to figure out what you want to do in life. And of course, what you kind of want to do at 19, 20, 21 is not what you're going to think of. Shoot, it could change at 25. It could change at 30, 35, 40. Because, you know, life happens, things change, you you know, your, your feelings about things or, you know, your passions about things may change. But it's just that continuous growth of trying to connect to what you want to do. And I think that also plays a part in, I think, overall well-being, overall, mm -hmm. you know, how your body 
would react to it. You know, I've seen it firsthand where, you know, working at a job that you do not like does a major toll physically, mentally, emotionally to a person. And I think, um, you know, something like mission is where you're able to say, okay, let me take a step back and kind of find what I want to do. When you are working, when, when they're in their peer groups or when they're, when they're working with your organization through the fellowship, has that come up? Like the idea of, you know, the person's well-being. like also, you know, do you, do you have them think about that? Like, how are you, you know, f- you know, work on something that also is not just beneficial for you, for your career, but also your overall well-being. Like, are you going to be happy going down this route? whether it is physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's so interconnected. Um, you know, I, you really can't think about your career and life more broadly without considering well-being and, and the long-term of terms effects on, you know, your overall happiness. And so we absolutely address this. And, so if you look at sort of our overall curriculum, it, it happens in four steps. So the first step is reflection, where you're asking, you know, who am I? What am I good at? So, you you, you know, you talk things about strengths. Um, step two is the definition phase. And that's where we start to define what does fulfill me, what does make me happy. And step three is the testing phase. And then step four is, is launch is when you actually go and apply for a, for a position. Um, one of the key components of, of the step two definition phase is really getting clear with yourself about what are the key criteria that this next chapter of my career needs to satisfy. And we time box it. So it's like the next year or two. We're not thinking in 10 years. We're not thinking in 15 years. Get really clear with what you need in the next one to two years. And so I'll kind of go through the list here of, of what those criteria are. So, you know, for some people, things will matter more than others. And so what we actually do is we have people rank them in order of importance to them. And so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of read them off. So first one is compensation, uh, you know, whether that's just salary or, you know, it could be, you know, health insurance, stock options, things of that nature. Um, next one is hours. So how many hours would you ideally like to work mm-hmm. during the week? You know, do you want to work for a startup where you're working 60 plus, or do you want something again, that's a little bit more stable. If you have kids, for example, um, the next one is work style. So how much structure do you have in your role? How much responsibility do you have? Are you leading the initiatives or is someone else leading them and you're sort of following? Uh, how much autonomy do you have basically is, is sort of that key component there. And then growth potential. So this has to do with, you know, if I go into this role, what is the next thing that this could possibly lead to? And so a lot of young people, you know, place a lot of importance on, on growth potential. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's another thing, too. And then things that are a little bit more, I guess, straightforward uh, would be sort of mission. You know, what, what's the purpose of the organization? Is that something that you can really get behind uh, culture? You know, what are the norms? and the expectations that people have in the, in the workplace. Um, and then location, which is obviously, you know, where you are. Um, obviously that's a little bit different now because of the pandemic, everyone's pretty much virtual. 
Um, and then risk is the last one. So if you're comfortable with working at a really early stage venture because you're really excited about you know, the mission or, or the potential that the, the organization has, then you know, risk, risk isn't a factor to you. And, you know, you should absolutely, you know, pursue an option that, that has that. And so sort of the takeaway of this worksheet is that a lot of times people don't sit down and, and rank these in order of importance to them. And specifically, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, but the, the time component of it is really crucial because you can answer that question for yourself in, in 15 years, what you think you might want. But what really matters is this next one to two years of, of what you're going to be doing. Yep. Yep. That is, I mean, you know, like I say, it's, it's something that we over, we, we overlook, you know, cause it's mm -hmm. something that you're like, you know what, I just need to start going into it. And that is, it isn't a very, very important aspect needed when you are going into the workforce or when you are starting your career. Shoot. Even now, when you're making career changes, um, just yeah. ranking exactly what is most important to you and what will you feel best with, you know, what, what are you, what are you willing to, you know, lean off of and what, what are the things that you're like, you know what, I cannot absolutely change. You know, if I, if I want to work X amount of hours, that's yep. what I want. I had to find what, what that is. And then with that, you know, you, you know, they're going in, you know, to trying to find the career, they go through the fellowship. And I think this is more of a question for you is how, you know, things are changing. You know, we're constantly seeing it today. People are, you know, from the pandemic to people raising their concerns about many things in this world. From your perspective, how can you see, how can one higher education play a part in how everything is changing? How can the typical the typical norm of how we go about getting education how we go about achieving that degree whether whether whatever you decide to get how can you see that 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 can change in the years to come because you know like i said we are now basically going virtual we have no idea when we're going back to you know we don't know what is it going to be a normal um but from your perspective you know, how can we redesign education to one, prepare the younger generation for the future or for the workforce? Hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could, I could speak <laughs> for hours about this topic. I think yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, you know, I can give you, you know, another yeah. separate episode so you can, you know, break yeah. that down or, you know, you can write a thesis <laughs> paper, you know, we, the different ways, but I guess like the, the abbreviated version of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, I can I could definitely shorten it. But oh, my goodness, I could I could go on for hours. Um, well, you know, I, I think um, I think the first thing really comes from the inst institution itself, um, you know, and, and pretty much every higher education institution, they all have teaching students lifelong learning as part of their mission statements. But probably most students would argue that that's not the case. They didn't walk away with, you know, learning the skills of lifelong learning. They learned how to pack knowledge into four years. And so I think schools should really start to embrace what that mission is and, and have it be defined perhaps a little bit differently. And so one idea for this could be, you know, schools could offer lifetime access to online classes, lectures, 
events, community, you know, spaces. And, you know, when, when things go back to normal, or perhaps, you know, even when they're not normal, we can be recording lectures, we can be recording this content, and providing that to not just the current students, but but alumni. Like, think about how great it would be knowing that once you graduate, you can have lifelong access to recorded lectures from your favorite professors. You can learn about things, you know, outside of your major that you probably didn't have time to do when you're on campus or it just didn't fit in with your schedule. That I think that's so crucial to actually, you know, stating the mission and, and embracing it. And that's providing that lifetime access because things have been so disrupted. Um, so I think that's the first thing. Um, you know, another thing too that I think would be incredibly helpful is to unbundle higher education and sort of offer this choose your own adventure uh, perspective on it. So, for example, you know, you could do the traditional on campus four years. Uh, you know, obviously things would have to get back to normal and, and students would have to go back to campus, but you could do that four year condensed version where you get the traditional higher education experience. Or if you are somebody who was very similar to me, where you wanted to get your hands dirty, you wanted to get some of that experiential component to learning in combination with liberal arts education and a broader perspective about how the world works. I feel like students should be able to choose which path works better for them based on their learning. And I think if, you know, by giving the option to students, it would allow them to embrace, you know, different career paths. It would allow them to test things and to experiment with different opportunities before they would select a major that, again, is going to cost them money. Perhaps they'll be strapped with student loans for the rest of their lives if they choose that four-year option. Or if you do this sort of, you know, combination of, of workforce and, and, and school, you have time to play around with things. And so... I think by giving students the option to, to kind of choose that pathway, uh, it could really help with sort of the, the world that we're in right now. Um, no, that is, that is, that is something that, I mean, just having the ability to learn and learn both books standpoint and experience standpoint, because yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that, you know, we always see when you graduate is you apply for a job and it's like, yeah, degree and experience. But you're like, well, how am I going to get experience if yeah. I can't get hired? Like I can't get the experience. So I think, you know, I think that idea is it's a it's a cool idea in the sense of, you know, people are able to work. You're getting that experience. You're learning it firsthand. And then also you're able to put that education that you have, you're getting into real life situations because tell you I mean the real thing is you got to learn how to do what you learn in real life situations because mm -hmm. the book may tell you all the terminology all of that stuff you can know all of that but if you don't know how to implement it and how to right. put it into use it's really pointless yep yeah sure. I, I mean I, I I couldn't agree more with that statement and I think to even take that a step further, and I guess maybe this is more directly related to advice for, for young people, is, you know, not just having the ability to learn the material and apply that, but having the ability to 
convince other people and to persuade other people that you can do the job. So there's a big component of finding a career that you love. And most people, you know, can, can do the work, they can get the, you know, they can do the job and do it really well, but then they'll struggle with actually communicating that to a potential employer. Mm-hmm. And so what, like what, how I would, how I would recommend doing this, you know, for, for young people is, you know, question, you know, higher education, question what you're being taught, but also understand that the way the world works is you have to provide value in every situation that you encounter and that will unlock all the doors that, that you really need. And so to kind of make this a little bit more concrete, the, the fundamental reason why I believe I got the job at Gallup was because I came to them having identified a problem that they had, thought through an entire solution for it. And, you know, at the time, I obviously didn't have a, a full working app, but I had the wireframes there. I had the plans written out. Mm-hmm. And that right there, by by showing that, hey, I, I get what you're trying to work on. I understand your, your pain points and your challenges. And I'm positioning, positioning myself as somebody who can solve these problems. That makes me so appealing to an employer. And it also helps, again, going back to kind of what we said at the beginning, it helps inform my choices. You know, as I was putting this thing together, did I really enjoy doing this work? Yep. Um, and I think kind of thinking about, you know, the, the fall and, and the future of kind of what higher education looks like, I would encourage students now to think about what are some other ways that you can provide value to organizations that are outside the, the higher education curriculum? What can you do to start developing this muscle of that value creation? It, it's really a mindset and it's, it's all about how can I add value to this person's life? Because really that's, that's sort of what in my mind success really comes down to. For sure. And I think it also from, from the younger generation is just chat, like you said earlier, just challenging, questioning yeah. everything. Like don't, don't settle with what, you know, what is, what looks to be like the norm, you know, like you got to yeah. study this, you got to learn this, you got to get that. Well, question, well, why do I have to do this? What is the benefit? Yeah. Like how you said, how is it benefiting myself? But then also how am I able to utilize that and give it back to, you know, whether it is back to the an employer or if I go about it right. in my own route, how am I able to give it back to my community or the people that I want to work for or yeah. how, whatever direction you may want to go to. But it's it's more of questioning it because it's not just saying, hey, I'm going to get this. Okay, but then after you get it, how is it going to be benefiting your life? How is it going to be a, a positive to the community or to to the outside world in general? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I could, again, I could, (laughs) I could talk about that concept for hours. And I think really what you're hitting on is that, you know, our education system creates convergent thinking. We develop people to think in the same way. Like if you think about a standardized test, we are coaching everybody to get the right answer for one specific test. And and I just, it blows my mind that we use that test for college admissions, for, it really determines so much of how you navigate the world. When in reality, the, the folks who are divergent thinkers, who question structure, who push for, 
progress, those are the ones who are opening doors. Those are the ones who are changing things. Those are the ones who are impacting communities and really moving the needle on issues that have been long overlooked. And it's it just kind of blows my mind that our education system penalizes divergent thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm, I'm a result of that. You know, I, I am a divergent thinker. I questioned a lot of what I was told. And I, you know, when I made the decision, I'm like, there's no value of me being in this system because I'm not learning what I need to learn. And I'm not able to do what I want to do because of this structure. It's not fit for me as a learner. I need to learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll pause there. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, that is, no, that is, that is, that is exactly what it is because it's, it's something that we don't, you know, we don't see it. Like, again, I continuously say you don't see it until one, you experience it or two, yeah. you know, you question it, you know, there's individuals that question it from the beginning. Why, yeah. you know, they just say, I'm not going to college. Cause it's like, well, what's the point of me going and mm-hmm. doing all this, you know, going through this entire structure like doing all this when this is not what I want to do. Like you're telling me, you know, I, w- I want to do X, but I got to go through all this that is not even connected to my particular passion or career right. that I want to do. Right. And like how you said, you either fall into, you know, student loans or you end up doing, you know, studying stuff that has nothing to do with what you want to do. So that's just yep. more information that you're just sticking in your head that you don't need. Um, Yep. And it's that, it's like just about, try, you know, in life really is by trial and error. It's how you learn the most. You know, you do something, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you know, you move on. But right. structuring education, I mean, of course, that's a whole bigger mm-hmm. thing, but it's always important to have that conversation. Um, yeah. So I have, yeah. I have one thing I wanted to add oh, to, to that last statement. Um, one thing I wanted to add to that, though, is... It, you know, again, I, I couldn't agree more with you on this. And I think one one probably helpful way to orient your thinking is, you know, when you're when you're looking at life and and sort of the structures that have been laid out in front of you, and you know, you're you're somebody who's like, do I need to go to higher education or do I need to you know you know obtain a four year degree or is there another path for me? I think the best way to get clarity on that decision is to ask yourself, you know, what do I want my legacy to be? And, you know, you can have a religious reason for that. You can have a spiritual reason for that. Whatever you believe in, I I firmly believe that your legacy is the effect that you have on other people. Again, it goes back to creating value in every situation that you're in. Figure out the legacy that you want to have on other, you know, the, the legacy you want to leave. Figure out the effect that you want to have on other people, who you want to interact with on a daily basis, who you want to influence and motivate. That is so helpful in answering these questions that that honestly are meant to somewhat distract you, right? If you're somebody who is so passionate and so convicted about something, but you feel like you have to do X, Y, Z in order to get there, question that. Question if you actually have to do that because you don't need to wait to make an impact. If you have conviction about something and you know what you want your legacy to be, start acting now because there's, again, there's really no risk. That is, yeah, that's, that is some, that is for sure. 
something that you that you have to think about. I mean, just who you wanna who you wanna impact is the biggest question thing of them all. Yeah. Um, because that leads you to kind of finding what what's what's your life mission, you know, right. kind of what you want to do and leaving a legacy. I mean, that is some every, for everyone that's we all want to leave a legacy. We all want to be mm-hmm. known for what we've done in our lives because that gives us purpose in our lives that drives us every day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that is that's a great I think that's a great way to, uh, you know, come down to a closing on this. Um, yeah. So let people know where they can find more information on mission, you know, where they can maybe have, if they have more questions or if they want to learn more about it or how can they sign up for the fellowship? Uh, where can they find this information? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so if you just go to missioncollaborative.com, um, that's a great way to figure out more about the program itself. Uh, we actually have a public fellowship coming up here in the next week or so. So if you have you know a chance to listen to this before uh, you know, mid-July of 2020, definitely take take a peek at that. Um, and then ways to get in contact with me. Uh, honestly, I'm very responsive in email. So if you have specific questions or if you want career advice, I love talking about this stuff, as you might be able to tell. <laughs> um, my email is just ashley at missioncollaborative.com. It's very straightforward. Um, but other than that, you can also reach me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just Ashley Hartrip. Awesome. Awesome. And in regards to this, I know we talked about like more as like higher education, but if anyone wants to, you know, learn more from Mission Collaborative, they it doesn't have to be, you know, whether you're going, you're graduated from college or if you're going to college, it could be even if someone in the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We are, we are age and industry agnostic and okay. we are very proud of that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So Ashley, thank you for coming on once again. Thank you um, for sharing all this helpful knowledge. Um, yeah, like you said, we could probably talk for, about this for like another two hours, but we will for sure have, you know, something, something more so we can share more information, all that information that you have, you know, want to share it out to the world. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. It was an absolute pleasure. information about mission you can hit them up on their website missioncollaborative.com you can also reach out to ashley on her linkedin if you have any feedback on this episode or any other episodes we have done you can hit us up on our ig facebook or twitter at source of zeal you can also send us an email podcast at source of please don't forget to rate review subscribe and share this podcast we will greatly appreciate it. So everyone, until next time, peace.